want to say, Pascal, if I may, I'm, I'm honored and grateful to you for what you've done. It was, um, there are very few things in the world nowadays uh, that one can find so deeply moving. And as a grandparent, I completely share the dismay and the deep, deep concern that you have conveyed. And I, I really am grateful. When I read those, those words, uh, I, I realized English is not your first language. And I think Andre did a fabulous job of, uh, of translating them, but they are really deeply moving. And I wish that every grandparent and all of the grandparents' children would be able to see them. I think they deserve to be read by, by everyone. I really do. They Thank are, you so much. Thank you. You know, I wanted, there is so much literature and so much research on, on that topic that I, I wanted to find another angle. So I thought that personal angle of, of a simple human being caring for his grandchildren was maybe more effective. Uh, and I had the photo, you know. <clears throat> We've come to the point with Environmental Health Trust where I don't really think that additional science is going to have this great impact. And we, we do need additional science, don't get me wrong. But I really believe that what is needed more is for people to understand this on a deeper human level. And you have done that. This is what um, Pascal Chilinas wrote to his grandson. My dear grandson, when your dad took this picture, I was a happy grandfather. I had my little worries like everyone else, but really with a sweetheart who lights up my life, with your parents whom I adore, and with you, the apple of my eye, I was a fulfilled grandfather. But now, for a year, my life has changed. The virus of indignation has seeped under my skin and lodged where it ends up most often, in the pit of my stomach. My dear little one, I have become an indignant grandfather. I am writing to you so that later, when you read this letter, you will understand my torment. At first, it manifested in astonishment. I did not understand that we could allow the deployment of the 5G network with its millimeter waves, its forest of antennas, and its umbrella of satellites without any study assessing the risks to my health, yours, and that of all the children who will have to remake this already too damaged world. Uh, and then you go on, uh, perhaps I would ask you <clears throat> to carry on and describe for those who may not have had a chance to see your letter, what happened when you were 30 years old? Well, uh, I just learned it recently, of course, uh, through Magda Havas and, and all these uh, papers. Uh, in, in 1976, I was 30 years old. I, I wasn't a father yet. And uh, luckily, there wasn't any danger for my fertility because of cell phones that were not existing at the time. But I was astonished to see that all this science that you are working so much in, in having known uh, widely, at least uh, a part of it was clearly known by the scientists, the Russian scientists and, and the American government, uh, the American army noticed that and, and, and shared that uh, within its, uh, its inner circle. But of course, nobody knew uh, about, uh, about this and uh, when I got my own cell phone that, that was uh, given to me by my employer uh, at the turning of the 2000, uh, I didn't know that at all. And, 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 and it's only when it was declassified in, in 2012, I think, that it could at least be known that all that, that harm done to human beings uh, was clearly established and, and how revolting it is huh? to see that that everything all the rollout is being started without any uh, consideration for this yeah yeah and and <clears throat> there is this um hubris i will say that uh, has been guiding um, american policy world policy on chemicals or radiation. And it goes something like this. 
we can't be sure whether or not this is harmful. So let's go ahead and use it until we can prove whether or not it is. Yes. So in a way, chemicals and radiation, non-ionizing radiation, microwave radiation from all these devices is assumed to be safe until we have enough evidence of human harm. Yeah. Now, we would submit actually, and we have literally submitted this to the FCC in copious peer-reviewed documentation that is now part of our lawsuit. We would submit that there is ample evidence of human harm. Now, some people have asked, well, if this is so harmful, why don't we have an epidemic of brain cancer? And uh, I and my colleagues have also written about this and published in the peer-reviewed literature. The reason we don't have an epidemic of brain cancer is first, brain cancer is a big category, more than 200 different types of cancer. The type of cancer we're concerned about for cell phones that does show up in case control studies is glioblastoma multiforma, mm -hmm. a highly malignant, dreadful cancer. And if you're looking at patterns for this, you don't wanna look at all age groups. You wanna look at the age groups that have been the most exposed. And when you do that, as Alistair Phillips and colleagues did in England, you see an increase in that brain cancer, that type of brain cancer, glioblastoma multiforma, is increasing in people under the age of 50. In the United States, as a matter of fact, the CDC issued a report also submitted by us to the FCC showing that there are unexplained increases in a number of types of cancer in younger people. We just published a paper with Anthony B. Miller, who is a very distinguished epidemiologist and a treasured colleague in Canada. And that paper showed an unexplained quadrupling of rectal cancer in people under the age of 40 in the United States and Iran. There's no explanation for this to have quadrupled in one decade. It's a very rare cancer. But think of all these young people with the phones in their back pockets right close to their rectum I mean, this has certainly got to be one of the factors involved. And, and maybe, by the way, the use of CAT scans um, could be a factor as well. Um, so I'd like to hear a little bit more from you about how you got interested in this and specifically tell us a bit about your wife's film. Yes, of course, my, my wife, Nicole Giguer, who, who is a filmmaker like me, she worked for a few years on the research of that film called Prisons Without Bars. She co-directed the film with, with uh, Isabelle Ayer, who is also a filmmaker and who is chemically sensitive. And that's how they got involved into that subject and uh, I was you know, I was discussing with her and, and learning uh, a lot of things that she she did learn uh, first. And uh, I, I met Paul Heroux from McGill, who is a terrific uh, communicator on these uh, topics. And he's part of the film, like uh, Professor Belpom uh, from France and also uh, Janet Armstrong from Ottawa. And... Uh, also, the, the film is focused on the, the cases, the five cases that we follow. And uh, I really began to understand the, the terrific uh, impact of that uh, domain and how it was uh, very dangerous. And, and uh, when we talk about fertility, you know, uh, I have in the back of my uh, wall there uh, um, a prehistoric Venice, you know, and, and at the time the prehistoric people had the cult of fertility. That's why for 20,000 years that, that, uh, that, that little, these little Venuses were widespread in Europe. And now we have come to a, a situation where, where the, the young parents have a lot of difficulty uh, trying to conceive a, a child. And the pregnant mothers, that, that's another terrible thing. Uh, autism and uh, behavioral problems, uh, uh, speaking problems, uh, heart uh, malformation, I think, uh, all these uh, are a consequence of, of uh, the pregnant woman being uh, exposed. 
I was, uh, we lived next to a lake and this summer I, I was uh, watching uh, a mother, a pregnant mother, talking for hours on the cell phone. Uh, I didn't dare talk to her, I should have, but you know, it's, it's so, um, kids are an unconditional love huh, for, for parents and grandparents and, and to see that, that the industry works in such a way uh, uh, with the approval of governments it's it's un unacceptable unacceptable well that's why it's important that your concerns be more broadly shared that's why i thank you for doing this conversation with me today um perhaps you can tell us about one of the cases in the movie that people can hear about now the movie is is at this point available only in french or is it french and english it is uh, it is subtitled in uh, in English for the French speaking people, and the opposite. It is uh, subtitled in French for the uh, the English speaking people in the film. Mm -hmm. And there is that young Jaden uh, who is uh, now an, an adolescent, and he he explains very uh, frankly all all his problems with the uh, radiations. And it's striking, you know, because he's a young boy. He's not someone who tried to trick others. Uh, he is very frank and, and open. So it's very touching. This case is very touching because it, 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 it gives us a, a, an idea of the danger, you know, if we widespread the, the consequence of this. Yes, I think that that's why we're very grateful to you for having written this letter. And your grandson is a, is a lucky boy. And uh, someday, hopefully, he'll be able to understand uh, your concerns. Um, I think it's important for his parents to appreciate um, the wisdom of what you and your wife have done. Um, may I ask, is the film being distributed? Yes, the film is being distributed. We have a distributor here in Quebec. There is one in France. Uh, very recently, they started advertising the film. And uh, of course, the English version is available uh, all over the world uh, through the net. So uh, I think it would be... Uh, it's online, yes. <laughs> all right. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what your history has been. You've been a filmmaker for four decades um, and you've done a lot of uh, interesting work. Um, how did you, uh, I understand, for those who don't know your background, please tell them a little bit about it. Well, I did my first film uh, a bit more than 50 years ago. I was uh, 20 years old and uh, and then slowly I began doing documentaries and one of the big um, turnout in my career was that I worked for 25 years for a science program in uh, for French CBC. It was called Science Realité at first, Science Reality, and then it's called Discovery, Découverte. It's been going on for more than uh, 30 years now. So dur during these 25 years I was so lucky, you know, to meet uh, searchers to meet scientists uh, that could very openly explain uh, their discoveries because of course our goal was to explain these discoveries to the, to a large audience so i was free to ask them all the questions i needed i'm not someone who has a scientific background but i can say that this uh, epoch was the greatest course, university course for me, because I learned on so many topics, you know, astronomy, uh, radioactivity, uh, pollution, uh, environment, and uh, I'm very fond of history too, so um, it was uh, something unique for me. I think that uh, what we're looking at now is to take the skills that you refined as a filmmaker uh, who did not have a science background and explain to people who are skeptical and frankly to people who are addicted to the technology, what is it that we know now that should give us all pause? From your point of view, I can tell you as a scientist, but that's not really the issue. <clears throat> the issue is from what you know as a layperson, frankly, what information would you give to hipster 
parents who give their three-year-old or five-year-old an iPad as a toy for the holidays? What would you say to them? I would say to them, you have to love more your kids uh, and you have to, to be uh, informed, to, to get informed and to see the, the real danger there. It's, um, it, it, it's, it's so important. Um, the, the, um, this reality is something that, that is, is, um, is a threat to, to our civilization. Huh? It's, it's as simple as that. And when we gather the, the family of whistleblowers, I might call them like this, we, we feel alone, you know, because it's difficult to, uh, to have these uh, realities known. Uh, and like you said, people are addicted to these technologies. And even my own sons, uh, we, we have discussions about this and it's not always uh, clear. But it is so important to protect the health uh, of, of parents and kids. Uh, and, and I thank so much Environment Health Trust to exist, you know, and, and, and to allow us to, uh, to, to, to reach all that information. I was listening to the Bermuda conference uh, to which you, you both of you were a part of, and people were asking where, where can we get information? And for myself, when I finally discovered your site, uh, and there is so much to learn there that I, I still have a lot of uh, days and weeks to, to discover the content. But this is unique. We, have, we are living in an epoch of uh, completist, you know, and so many false theories that we really need this science that you offer us, uh, state-of-the-art information, solid science, because education is the only is the only path it's the only way uh, we have to to talk about this we have to try to make people uh, concerned about this and of course our governments uh, maybe that's the toughest part <laughs> and thanks to EHD with the lawsuit because if ever you succeed I, I'm convinced that it will influence the whole world well, let me just briefly say, first of all, thank you for your compliments and a lot of the credit for our website being as well informative as it is goes to Theodora Scarata, who has really been working tirelessly with me on this for many years now. Um, and we both, we appreciate that. And the same thing for all the opposition in the world that we find <laughs> on your site, this is very motivating for us, you know. Yeah, well, um, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, and we both are. That's why we reached out to you uh, when you sent us that inspiration. We're also very glad, I see we've been joined by André Photo. André, okay. Hi Deborah, how are you? Hello, very nice Deborah. to see you. Um, and uh, we were just talking about the difficulties of persuading young parents um, about why they should take precautions. I'm going to ask Theodora to briefly mention what's coming next on our activities because I think this is something Andre you know need to know about and we can talk about we're letting our patreon members know now what's coming next and I'm talking about the materials for the schools and particularly recognizing what Pascal just said we've got to do a better job of informing parents and teachers because it's the educational system right now that in many respects is demanding that children be exposed to wireless radiation and very few of the teachers and superintendents, uh, principals of the schools have any idea that wireless radiation should be reduced, if not eliminated, ideally eliminated from the environments, especially of young children. So what we do know is that France, Belgium, Israel have all taken steps to restrict or eliminate phones and wireless radiation from different types of environments, the details of which can be found on our website at ehtrust.org. But we have now coming a new program that we're working on with grassroots environmental education. Theodora, could you just take a moment because I think we really should share those materials with Andre as soon as possible so that they can be translated and shared with the French-speaking community. And I would also, I, I hope you are in touch with Marc Arazi, 
who is uh, the head of uh, PhoneGate Alert in France, and they have done, I think, a, a very good job on, on a number of, of issues. But Theodore, why don't you take a moment and say what's coming next? Well, what we've been doing is putting together uh, printable, easy to understand uh, documents on how are people, how are children and teachers and staff exposed in schools um, with where it's a one page printable, no color so that people can just use it. We have a document on parent teacher organizations, including Canadian ones, uh, which have taken action on this and around the world. So that if you're in a parent teacher organization, you can see what are other parent teacher organizations doing? What are their teacher unions doing around the world? And each one is a one pager. We're finalizing some things right now um, and uh, also gearing up for the EMF conference, which I know, Andre, you covered uh, in 2019. Um, and uh, that is what we really want to just reach people so they understand how kids are exposed because it's not just the Wi-Fi. We have the Wi-Fi. We have the 5G goggles. We have the uh, last night I was in a meeting with the cell tower outside the school and now with 5G. Uh, the companies are trying to promote using 5G in the classroom. This is now something that they are trying to sell to school systems and that they're talking all about. So, but the challenge we have, which brings me to my question is, is that with the governments, uh, some governments taking protective action, but many governments saying there is no harm, there is no proof. We've looked at the science and we've reviewed it and there's no problem, like what the FDA did. Uh, the, even talking about this becomes, uh, you know, you get, you get attacked. And I wonder how the film, how uh, it's going with the film, putting out this information, because you have to cut through all those, that misinformation that industry puts out, and how uh, your magazine as well, um, Andre, which has been covering this for years, has received, you know, what's the reception to this issue in light of what governments are saying? Before you answer, Andre, before you were on the call, I discussed the fact that we have a, a very a corrupted public policy when it comes to protecting public health. Instead of trying to use experimental data to predict human harm and prevent it, that's, that was the thrust of animal studies. We are now in the situation where we have to prove human damage has taken place before we take steps to protect a future generation. So effectively, the public policy demands are now, if you'll forgive me, back asswards. We're, we're being asked to prove, are people sick or dead from this damaging exposure? The burden of the proof is on our shoulders. That is exactly right. The burden of proof is on our shoulders. And before you respond, I just want to let to let our listeners know who you are, if I may. You have uh, uh, founded the um, 21st Century Housing in, in 1994, and you've covered all aspects of the evolution of building biology throughout your career, including the development of passive homes. You've been writing about electromagnetic fields, as far as I know, for more than a decade. And you've published the latest news on all of this uh, on your website, uh, and including most recently exposing major conflicts of interest among scientists who are members of various bodies that sound like they are objective and neutral, but are anything but. So I, I certainly would, I know our listeners would like to hear from you, uh, particularly about that issue, but let, let me let you respond first to what what Theodora and I were just discussing. Okay, well, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm happy to be here for a half hour with you. Very briefly, I can tell you, I was trained in political science and journalism, and then I worked for the Montreal Daily, the Gazette in 1988. So I'm a journalist, and then I worked for a housing weekly for five years. And at the Gazette, I wrote about a little girl who was dying of leukemia, and she did die. and. Uh, since then, I've been wondering, you know, how, how much does the environment play in these chronic diseases? And in 1993, I heard about the New York Power Lines project, David Carpenter, uh, the fact that in 79 and 83, they, they confirmed the leukemia link with power lines. And, uh, but 
But mostly the last 20 years, you know, since wireless has taken over, I remember in, in 2000, the Swedes or the Nordics said it was beginning in 2000 that more than 50% of Scandinavians had a cell phone. So that's when it really exploded. And um, this morning, Pascal put me on to a great interview on Radio Canada, the radio aspect of the CBC, uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. They had a, a French journalist, investigative uh, reporter, saying what we've been saying all along. And it, it's big tobacco and asbestos all over again. So it's just business as usual that industry will always pay scientists to contradict independent studies. And the, the big thing is, you know, we're, we're often indeed presented as conspirationists, but uh, conspiracies is when somebody plans something bad and that's what industry does. I mean, they just plan to make enough money until the, the, the governments have enough courage to act and saying we're, we're counting too many deads here. And that's what's really happening. But it's, as we all know, there's too many different causes of disease. It's hard to pinpoint a single substance as you very well know. So it's taking a long time, but I think it's encouraging uh, today. You know, we need very broad, excellent polls to ask the, the general public and scientists, because I think it was in Germany that the, the majority of doctors said, yes, we know there's a danger and we have to be careful. I'd like to see such polls being done in North America. And uh, it's, it's, it, fantastic what you're doing at the Environmental Health Trust. You're really, to me, the best source in the world in this area. Thanks to you, Deborah, and I'm so honored to be here because I always tell people, you were advising Bill Clinton on how to reduce chemical pollution. So, I mean, your credibility is inattackable. Um, and Pascal, as a, a professional journalist for 25 years, a, a director and writing from his heart how he's worried, it's really wonderful that his colleagues who are retired reporters and others, they're really starting to listen in. And this morning, uh, Stefan uh, at CBC, he used to cover, you know, uh, international news uh, for the CBC in Washington and Paris, Stefan Bureau. So he's really credible. So now I think it's, it's, you just need to proceed and keep doing what you're doing not wait for governments to act. It's mm -hmm. like the, the Passive House program or the LEAD program where these uh, elite programs are pulling the building codes. You know, the, the majority of, of builders and scientists are starting to hear about EMFs. There's a, a city in Quebec, Victoriaville, from the beginning, they've always been the leaders in recycling and uh, subsidizing energy efficiency and what have you. Now they're subsidizing EMF investigations. Oh, and why? Well, I know it's because they read my magazine. Uh, humbly, I must say. And I, I work in a in a phase. You know, I only have five to ten thousand readers. You know, so it's not huge, but the quality of our readership uh, makes that. Uh, people who decide in government and cities and, and well I would say the quality of your writing and the quality of your research which has been to me consistently outstanding um, you, you you need a bigger audience so I hope everybody listening will go why don't I give you a moment to tell them how to find you on the web I put the I put a link to in the, in right. the chat but but because I think that out of this call should come a broader readership for you because you also you publish in English and in French um, and I and I appreciate that very much um, because you have a broad um, perspective on this. And actually, I want to ask you a question about LEED. Um, what will it take for LEED to incorporate wiring, code, and making rooms available for Ethernet? When we, we were doing a renovation in 2008, the electrician thought I was crazy when I insisted that every room have an Ethernet outlet. I read that in Mark Arazi's book about your house. And yeah, and, and all the your hiking, your hiking <laughs> oh, expeditions also. You know, I haven't, I have to say, you can do me a favor. I have not, frankly, read the book because it's in French. And I would love to know what, but, but the draft, yes, we had wires all over the place. And at the time, I don't know, Mark didn't quite appreciate why. You know, it was like, it was, it is, and, and we, have, we have improved our way of doing that, by the way. 
you know, we, yeah. um, so it, at that, that time, I think we only had like two bases. So we had 40 foot cables running all over the place. Now you don't, you don't need to do that. Um, but um, it's certainly true that um, it's, it is challenging for consumers and it should be not so difficult. It should be standard that if you call your cable company and you say, I want ethernet in all my rooms, it should be standard. Now, CenturyLink out here in the middle of remote Wyoming, they will do that. But you have to ask. You have to pay also. I just got fiber no, optics. No, no, I did not have They're to pay. Free. No. For the whole no. house. We had to pay. I, I argued. <laughs> no, I argued. We, yeah, no, no, I argued. do it for free for us. No, well, but that, that's the whole point. You, We need people to be organized around this. Yeah. You know, this is a basic human right to be able to live in a world where you are not subjected to unwanted, unwelcome, and dangerous wireless radiation. And there are people, unfortunately growing numbers of them, who are unable to function in modern society. They do exist. Uh, and people, reporters from the general uh, media will say that, uh, who says, uh, the World Health Organization says it, it may be psychosomatic. So getting back to your question about LEAD, I, I was very close to Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, their scientists for many years. I even trained uh, big, spock out, big box out with uh, uh, rental mm. depot employees on healthy renovations. So, and also wrote for the R2000 program, the precursor to LEED, uh, part of Natural Resources Canada. And so these people have heard about EMS, but until Health Canada and the CDC and the, the WHO says that there's uh, enough proof to act, they're not gonna do anything. Uh, I asked the question, the lead uh, conference was, the National uh, North American Conference was in Montreal many years ago. I stood up uh, a little nervous and knowing, you know, wondering if I was going to get blasted, but I did ask that question and they just basically say and the same thing with the well program, you know, um, they're going to wait till the government says go. So uh, even though a lot of people in government, they know it's dangerous. A lot of people, people in industry, even in the wireless industry, they know, but they want to protect their jobs. So I can appreciate that. Uh, so how do we go about it? Um, we have to talk about the conflicts of interest. We have to explain that ICNIRP, this body... Explain, ICNIRP is called the International Commission on Non-Ionizing Radiation Protection. It has a name that makes it sound like it's a very neutral body, perhaps organized by the government. It is a private group. It is self-appointed, it is self-monitored, and I'd like to ask people, you to expand on some of the conflicts of interest that you There are a dozen people, they're financed by the European Commission, mostly the German government. And it was founded by Mike, Michael Repicoli, a former Health Canada scientist in radio protection again. And so he founded ICNERP to say, if your cells aren't being heated after six minute exposure from microwaves, then there's no danger. Then he went on to found the World Health Organization's research program on EMFs for 10 years. And what, and I started, I, I first learned about EMS through Andrew Mikrowski of the Planetary Association for Clean Energy in Ottawa, who put me onto Microwave News, which is really the best journalistic source. And Luce Lesson of Microwave News wrote about how Michael Repicoli and the WHO-EMF research project was financed secretly by the cell phone industry. For many years, we didn't know the money was funneled through the Adelaide Hospital in Australia. So everything is hidden and it's, it's the same thing in the chemical industry, you know, uh, the, the people who regulated pesticides at Health Canada. For 10 years, it was Agriculture Canada. And Elizabeth May, who was with the Green Party for many years, notably, she explained to us 20 years ago that at one point they decided that it looked fishy, that Agriculture Canada was too close to the pesticides industry. They should not regulate pesticides. So they pretended that it would be independent. They shifted the whole office to Health Canada, but it was the same boss and the same employees, and often very people who were consultants with industry, such as Michael Repicoli when he left the WHO, he went back to being an industry consultant. 
So it's like that all over the place. All these people who are quoted, who are advising government, uh, Mr. Rosalie, for uh, Rosalie, it was in the consultant for the Swiss government. Now he's the head of ICNUP, right? Uh, he's an industry consultant also. Or is Martin, Martin Rusley is now the head of ICNUP? He's, he's a commissioner. He's not he's right a, now. I think the VP. He might uh, he, be. I, I have to look. On the 7th of, of December, there was that big discussion at the European Council with Michel Rivasi and uh, there was Rodney Croft, who Rodney was Croft. representing ICNIRP. And his arguments were so, um, so illogic, so uh, psychological, you know. The, well, his science is by Pitiful to see that, yeah. and, and and in Canada we have the uh, thanks to to, uh, to to Frank Clegg, uh, to Jean Udon and others, we have the the the, the urgent appeal to Canada government yeah. asking to a moratorium for the rollout and, and uh, asking to to gather the proper studies and really put some light on this before the rollout. So it's very important that we in Canada, we, we support this kind of... Yeah. Uh, Canadians should read it. It's c4st.org. Yes, we should indicate that into the chat as well, Theodora. Canadians for Safer Technology is a group that was founded by Frank Clegg, the former president of Microsoft Canada, who is a, a, a chairman of our business advisory group. We are not anti-business. We are simply pro-health. Um, I, I want to go back to something that Pascal wrote in his letter to his grandson about the birds. And I want to ask, in terms of public policy, whether you think the growing evidence of damage to birds and bees, and in particular honeybees, whether that might be something that we should pay more attention to. I, I said to Pascal, and I will say to you, Andre, what do you think are the um, linchpin issues, the most critical thing that we need to tell your grandson's parents so they will pay attention and stop always having their phone in their pocket which i know is a big problem for this generation and stop thinking of their phone as a part of their body and recognizing that you want to keep it off the body and frankly that you want it off um, much of the time uh, what is it going to take will be will it be it publicizing information that's in your letter pascal about how birds will no longer be able to find their way because their magnetic compass will be interfered with by this flood of electromagnetic radiation? Will it take exposing the amount of energy that is involved in producing these devices and in operating them so that they become energy vampires, energy hogs? They're producing and demanding more energy. What, what do you think it will take from a public point of view of informing the public so that people will say, wait a minute, I didn't sign on to eliminating the ability of NASA to navigate in astronomical terms. I didn't sign on to preventing marine navigation of ships at sea just so I can get a better signal. Uh, what issues do you think the public is going to respond more to? Yeah, even whether forecasting is threatened by 5G, but I think just before I should, I'm not sure if I gave you the hyperlinks. In Pascal's letter, I put all sorts of references in the French version. Did you get the hyperlinks? There are a number of hyperlinks in the version that we got. Okay, um, great. Including okay. to the, um, you okay. know, including to the idea, including to the fact that cities in China are turning off 5G at night. Yeah. And they're doing this to save energy. And as you know, I've written about this as well. And I think, Theodore, maybe we can put that, the op-ed that I wrote about yeah. Yeah, I can 5G Mirage. It is a mirage. It's being marketed to do all of these things. Let's start with something really basic. Well, I think climate change, climate change is, is certainly an important way, uh, an important issue if we want to get the, the, the major environmental groups on board like NRDC and Sierra Club are starting to get interested. And the reporter, the, 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 uh, the French author quoted, uh, who was interviewed this morning, said that the, the telecom industry is responsible today for 4% of greenhouse gas emissions. 
which is equivalent to the airline industry. So that's something that should interest people. But to me, I think health touches everyone. Everyone is concerned about their children's health. I know someone from the, who used to be at the David Suzuki Foundation who told me once, Andre, if I was sure that my children were in danger, I would act, you know, but he never read all the stuff I sent him, you know. So to me, the most important thing is people should listen to the scientists, such as, such as the people at, at EHT, uh, Anthony Miller, who's the greatest epidemiologist maybe in the world. In 2011, he was the one who, that uh, the International IR a mm -hmm. uh, Agency for Research on Cancer hired to review all the references of the group who classified RS as 2B, possibly carcinogenic. So that's important to listen to the scientists, but I think to listen to the family doctors and to the parents who have amazing results when they just unplug the wireless for a week or two, such as Toral Jelter recommends. And to me, one of the most important references is Martha Herbert. I think it was through the Bard Initiative group, I guess, that I, I got in contact with her. She's a Harvard professor and doctor who treats children. She's a neuropediatrist. And she put me on to epidemicanswers.org, a group of parents and scientists that she is a medical advisor to. So here it's a hundred, hundreds, if not thousands of, uh, of children, basically condemned by medicine. Uh, their doctors are saying, well, keep taking your medication, but we can't do anything to control your, your autism, your attention deficit, uh, your, your violence, your, your, your breathing problems, your digestive problems, everything, your skin problems. But they just cleaned up their act. They just have less chemicals in their house, in their water, in their food. And then they reduce, they minimize their EMF, uh, low frequency power line, uh, and also a wireless. And they have amazing results. So you have to go read Epidemic Answers. They have one of their amazing reports. It's called The Path to, to uh, Recovery. The Path to Recovery is one article I translated. And on my website, maisonsen.ca, I think you I gave you the link backslash English. There you can find the major uh, features that I translated to English uh, with all these hyperlinks. So to me, a parent who listens to another parent and to a growing number of family doctors and specialists, well, they start to listen and read more and, and, uh, and do the test. But, you want to hear something that's sad is that there is a group of, of clinicians who are advising children with autism to wear wireless headsets so that they can focus on learning more and that these are the noise canceling headsets that are on all the time so they're all day long they have the headset on with bluetooth so that they can focus and these and and it does work it does work because you're basically, you're creating a, if I, a kind of zombie um, and they, they don't hear or see anybody around them. They are not distracted by human beings. They're hyper-focused, yeah. They're hyper-focused. Imagine nobody knows what that's gonna be doing to their brains or to their eyes or their ears. The memory and the... And I, Andre, I personally am begging you, if you find any data on that, because that's being advocated now for children with autism. I just spoke to Martha Herbert yesterday because she, uh, we did an interview that will be broadcast soon for the EMF conference 2021. Uh, she and Hillel Baldwin, the neurosurgeon who's the co-chair of the meeting, and I had a conversation with her, which you will find where we discussed some of these things. And her experience has been if you can reduce exposures to the toxic agents in the environment, a lot of these children recover um, considerably. And you're asking me to find what specific if you have, information? If you have any, any uh, can help us find any information about these noise canceling headsets that are being recommended for children with autism. Okay. You know, because they have a hard time focusing. Or at least if they're gonna use them, they should be plugged in, they should be wired. 
you know, it's just, it's just because I'm sure it works. You know, it does work. But what does it do for the long term? Yeah. I have a problem with all these doctors. You know, if I see a TV report, a, a newspaper or a magazine report, I take 15 minutes to write them a letter and, and put references. And then I get two answers, you know. Uh, it's outside my area area of expertise. I can't comment. Yeah, right. We have, Meanwhile, right. We have right. one of the top uh, artificial intelligence scientists in the world in Montreal. Microsoft, everyone is bringing millions into Montreal. And that's an answer he told me. So I, I can appreciate these people don't have the time and it's not the area of expertise to, to, to comment. But we're talking about kids who are being harmed, millions of kids every day all over the world. And people in Russia is forbidding children learning at home with wireless during the pandemic. There must be a reason. They issued with the Ministry of Health recommendations for at home learning. Grigoriev. Um, with oh yeah, Oleg Grigoriev on the recommendations also that the Cyprus Committee for Children and Environmental Health recommended using wired, not wireless, right. not doing virtual learning on a cell phone, which a lot of people are doing and you know eat everything from sitting properly the whole you know everything that is the problem with the way kids are using tech right now which is because people don't know they don't so know how to sit they don't know how to use wires they don't know that's it, it does cost like i spent maybe six hundred dollars to, to wire my three floors in my house and every classroom you know the la uh Huge LA uh, school board. LA United School District, yeah. District. One of the largest in the one of the largest school districts in the world. In the world, they did a study and they said it's it's too expensive. We're not going to wire classes, classrooms. Well, my God, what are the going to be the costs of not wiring the classrooms? It's incredible. So Pascal, to return to your letter, may I ask what has been uh, some of the more unusual or uh, responses you've received to your letter, and what had been uh, some of the helpful ones well people uh, that took the time to to answer back they they, they were touched they were touched by this uh, letter which is a simple letter in fact it's 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 a grandfather expressing feelings about the future of, of these uh, children and uh, but um, uh, there was um, someone who 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 expressed doubts uh, on the website of, of La Maison Seine and André gave a very interesting uh, answer to this. Uh, I would just add up that we were discussing about what is the most striking right now. I think that meta-analysis that says that 17 minutes a day during 10 years uh, gives you 62% more chances to have cancer, brain cancer, metaglioma. Uh, it, it, it's amazing. And, and also this rise of cancer for youngsters, uh, for the brain cancer, but also other types of cancer, thyroid cancer. D these phenomena are, are, are appearing now. So Exploding thyroid yeah. cancers. We're trying, we're discovering this reality. So we shouldn't stop repeating it and, and spreading this uh, type of news, you know. And, and uh, André was talking about that interview this morning with uh, uh, Nicolas Béraud, who wrote this book, 5G My Love. It was very interesting, but at the same time, the website of Radio-Canada says that uh, 5G is not harmful for human health because ICNIRP says so, you know. We, as you all have said in different ways, we are experimenting on ourselves, our children, and our grandchildren. That's what we're doing. And it's, 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 it's uh, contradicting the fundamental human rights. Huh? That's it. We're not guinea pigs. And we are preventing a substantial and growing body of people who suffer greatly yes. from participating in full human society. That is the tragedy. And we are, they are being ignored uh, or worse, treated as though the problem is simply psychological. I and got a heart also say, Yeah, We should also say that it, also, it touches everyone because even people with allergies and asthma are affected. Um, there was yep. a great, uh, great article on uh, uh, 
uh, electrostatics. Uh, static electricity can make fine particulates and viruses deposit on your nose and, and mouth. And so you have greater risk of uh, viral infection, including COVID. Of course. Uh, so um, Isaac Jamieson wrote about that. One of the most important thing that we've all touched upon here is that there are synergistic effects and those who spend their lives worrying about persistent fluorinated organic compounds, which are in fact flame retardants and which have poisoned the earth and poisoned the thyroids of billions of people are making a mistake if they are ignoring the role of electromagnetic fields, which can enhance the uptake of toxic chemicals in the body throughout the body. And probably the best illustration of that is the following. Right now, if a person has brain cancer, one of the FDA-approved treatments for that cancer is to use a type of microwave radiation to weaken the membrane of the brain in order to put more chemotherapy into the brain. So think about it. You can use a form of radiofrequency energy to weaken membranes in the brain to treat cancer. But what about people who don't have cancer? What is it doing to them to have a phone next to their head or next to their reproductive organs for hours a day when they will then enhance the uptake into their cells of any potentially circulating toxic substances? We don't live in bubbles. We know that. And the whole focus of environmental health has been so focused on chemicals, which I spent the first four decades of my life working on, that we have missed the boat entirely when it comes to understanding the interactions with electromagnetic fields. We are electrical beings, as you all know. We live because we are alive and electrical. And that's important for our existence. But the idea that additional exposures to electromagnetic fields will have no effect on our health except a positive one when we have brain cancer, that's insane. Yeah. And I think I'm grateful to each of you for taking the time to share with us your work. And Andre, we want to continue to figure out how you can take some of what we're doing and we can partner more. We would be remiss in mentioning great Canadians not to mention Meg Sears, Margaret Sears yeah. of Prevent Cancer Now in Canada, has done a superb job, both on the chemical front, on electromagnetic fields, and on trying to get the Canadian government to pay attention to the science, which is not going to be easy to do. But listen, we have to listen. Fun. It's so corrupt. Just in closing, the federal uh, HESA, the Health uh, uh, Parliamentary Permanent Health Committee of the House of Commons in Ottawa. They had several uh, commissions and auditions and reports, one of them on radiofrequency radiation and health of Canadians with what, 15 re recommendations or so like New Hampshire just had. It was shelved, of course. The Trudeau government did nothing. What did the health minister do? She went to her uh, senior civil servants at Health Canada who wrote a rebuttal saying, nope, uh, <laughs> not enough proof, game over game over we're not doing anything yeah i i came to ottawa to to participate yeah, in that you were there mm. and frank clegg uh, and meg we were all involved in it um uh i actually have never looked at that so-called rebuttal maybe it's something we should take a look I at i have a letter and i wrote how how the the civil servants lied to the minister and uh, uh jerry flynn the former canadian air force uh, microwave warfare expert wrote to the minister and said, your civil servants are lying to you. And they rebutted. They said, no way. So I can send you that letter if you want. Maybe it's time to seek an open inquiry. Yeah, they're lying all the time. I No, no, no. But I think you are in a position to call. I think you and Meg and Frank should call for an open inquiry. Because right now, with the tragedy that has just happened in Washington, D.C., and will soon be over in two weeks, we hope, I think the world is, I hate to use the word woke, but is waking up to the reality that a lot of things that government has done have been wrong, misleading, mistaken. And I think, I think there may be new interest 
in getting to the truth. And I have worked with Elizabeth May for 40 years. And I, it, I know she's still around and I know she's still, she would be on this uh, in a heartbeat. So I think that it, it, it would be important to, for you in Canada to organize uh, on this issue and to challenge because we know what the science says. And if you get a full and complete reading of the science, then I think you've got to take steps. As Pascal has outlined, there are thousands of studies on effects and they cannot any longer be ignored. That is what we hope our lawsuit will succeed in doing. And we will find that out when our lawyers argue on January 25th. Coming up. If you allow me, we really need in Canada to have environmental groups gathering the fight because it's so huge uh, the damage yeah. that that that's uh, in France. Uh, you have at least two groups that are suing the government. Yeah, and we are really late here in Canada, and, and it's the same. Well, uh, then you should call. Sorry, then you should speak to my other favorite Canadian best friend, David Suzuki. Yes. He is I, no I longer actively. Yes, no, yes. I asked him about uh, wireless or uh, smart meters many years ago. He was in Montreal. I asked him. Yeah, yeah. And he said, smart meters are amazing for energy efficiency. I it's know, I know. bogus. He's not well informed. And I know, no, but, he's, but he knows that now. Okay, he now he's aware. And, and he's retired. Yeah. And as you know, he's one of the most respected names in Canada in science. Well, and you I should think be the one approaching him to, to speak up. You're the best person. Okay. Uh, I have some family medical things we're dealing with next week, and I will do it after that. I would like to add that the, um, the Society for Environmental Journalists of North America just published uh, yesterday, I guess it was yesterday night, because I didn't see it till this morning, an article on is wireless technology an environmental health risk? Uh, and that is a professional association of journalists uh, in North America. And she, um, Katie Alvrod, talks about the, all of these questions. What about the impact to birds, bees, and trees, of which no federal agency, not ICNRP, not no entity anywhere has ever set exposure limits to protect the environment, birds, bees, trees, insects, uh, you know, our, our natural world. So, uh, this might be something in Canada to to raise because how can you be putting out this pollution and increasing levels of of this uh, environmental exposure when we never checked? You know what level is safe for I, the animals? I and agree, but if with all due respect, if we want to be realistic and cynical, there's so little data on the birds and and the bees. There there are some studies, but. We have amazing data from the National Toxicology Program and the <laughs> Ramazin Institute and the US Navy and everyone else since the 60s. We're, I'm saying it, we're being crushed by the, all this amazing data that the, the, the mainstream media is not listening to and the governments aren't listening to. Why? Because the media is owned by the telecoms and the governments are the civil servants are placed by the industry in there. They're electing by financing the, the, the parties. Uh, it's really a money issue, and I commend you for suing their asses. And one day, <laughs> somebody's going to pay. Somebody's going to pay, but at what cost? Of well, <laughs> let me be very clear, by the way. Um, our lawsuit, we gain no money. This is not a lawsuit about money at no. all. And as a matter of fact, to be quite candid, this lawsuit is costing us more money than I'm we've always. ever spent on anything. And if we That's win, not what I was implying. You know, if we win, we don't win money. I know. We win truth. We win the fact that the FCC has to admit that their 24-year-old standards based solely on avoiding heating are inadequate to protect public health and the environment and have to be revised but that's, that's gonna have, and, and, and that would be an amazing precedent and then they'll, they're, they're going to be sued through like hell and, and they're I eventually couldn't it couldn't happen to a better group and they also happen to be the the wealthiest most um uh uh productive Powerful. and no no and most profitable agent uh, group of of industries in the history of the world so Telecoms. their profit margins are so big yeah. But they don't even have insurance.
for the damages that they may cause. They, they cannot get insurance as we've written, you have as I, as I have. They, they can't, can't get, get insurance. But they don't even help. need it. No, it's and they like don't a, need it because they got so much money. That like does big tobacco. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually worse than big tobacco because uh, there are benefits of technology. You can't deny that. That's the problem. The damage, that they're causing, the damage that they're causing to human health and the environment now, the fact that millions, billions of people are being injured and they don't even know it, that, that is something that is unforgivable. And I thank you for all the work that you're doing. I thank you, Pascal. My thanks always to my great partner and collaborator, Theodore Scarato. And with this, I will say, have a good afternoon. Thank you both. All. Thank you so Bye. much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.